But, well, the women have just come back from a great uh, mini conference over in Adelaide. How many women went along to that? Let's give us, yeah. Hope they had a great time. Peter Whitaker went as well. I saw that hand. And uh, he had a great time. He was in disguise and no one even knew it was him. So it's fantastic. Great to see you, Peter. Glad you enjoyed the women's conference. Good on you. <coughs> Look at that. Should we change mics or something? No? Just put through it. I'm scared to say anything. We've got Alliston this morning. We've got the service happening up at Alliston and we sent the team up there early this morning and uh, Pastor Pauline will be preaching up there. So that's uh, really exciting that we can be doing those uh, extension services to places around about the EP. So I want us to pray for Alliston this morning and uh, we, we need some really uh, big miracles in Alliston. I know there's people coming uh, to the church there and we did carols there last year. This is just, uh, I'll just pick that up in case you're OCD there like me. Uh, um, and we did carols there and from the carol service we, we've had people join the church uh, who came along uh, from that one incident. So that's really, really exciting. And a couple of weeks ago, Pauline and I went, were up there, I might have said last week, um, and did a Heartbeat up there. And that, was, that went really, really well. For a town of about, you know, under 300 people, yet a dozen people come out to Heartbeat is fantastic. So um, I know God's doing good things, but we need to establish something that's going to be there for the long term. I believe we'll get a building up there that we own. Um, I believe that we'll have uh, a place where uh, people can stay and have worship, you know, every week, not just once a month, but it's going to take faith, it's going to take boldness, it's going to take our giving, our sacrifice um, from here so that we can establish something because this church here is here because one day, you, the ladies went to Influencers Church uh, yesterday, but probably 30 years ago, people at Influencers Church were able to support Al Hillier to come here and they paid him his wage for the first year from there so that we could have a church here today. People often forget all that stuff, but we need to start sacrificing and building. That's why our, our giving is so important because it helps us to establish some, something somewhere else that can't help itself right now. So I want us to pray this morning. Why don't you bow your heads and we're going to pray for the town of Alliston. So Lord Jesus, we just pray right now, God, for Alliston. Lord, I thank you for the power of God is at work in our world today. The power of Jesus is among us and wants to work through us and in us. And Lord, I pray for Alliston for the things that we need. I pray for a building that we can have that is ours for, for, uh, for use all the time. Lord, I pray for people. I pray for the, for the gifts, musicians, and uh, all, the, all the equipment that we need to set up a church. And Lord, I pray that in your way, nothing is impossible. And I just pray today for Alliston to have a great service that people may be touched by the power of God, that everything uh, works together so that those who go there today may experience the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's the month of August, and as, as we've done for the last few years, it's uh, one priority month, and that's where we have special giving to say thank you to all the good things God's done in our lives. And uh, uh, one of the little things that someone's come up with is um, Annie has, uh, where's Annie this morning? She here in the house? She's hiding in the corner. She's done some artwork, which uh, looks really fantastic. If you 
noticed on, on your way in, in the foyer, there's a, there's a, a, a panel with lots of little, um, what do you call those things, Annie? What are they? Art. They're, they're art. But anyway, that, if you didn't realize, there's a secret auction or, or a silent auction going on, and you can put in a bid. There's a little container there. You can put a bid in there. I think you can do it on the Facebook page as well, can you? So, so, so amazing, all this stuff. But you can put it in there, and um, on the third Sunday of this month, we're gonna, that Sunday night, we're going um, to do a, a, you know, announce who the successful bidders are, and they'll get that, to get that piece of art that they chose. So... Um, if you after the piece that I want, back off. <laughs> All right. We better preach. Who's, who's, who loves the house of God? Yeah. I love the house of God. I, I, I think that um, um, God has designed life and church to be much, much more than we have made it to be. So um, if I can have my first slide up there. The title of my message this morning is The Good Life. And... Uh, it's an elusive state of life that people the world over desire and seek and we call that state the good life. Who's ever, who's ever considered that, that thing, the good life? What is it? But I think people everywhere desire this, this, this thing, uh, the good life, whatever that is. So, um, you know, for instance, bikers, they, they want open roads and clear skies. Who, who's seen the movie uh, Wild Hogs? I mean, it's like living the dream, living the good life. I mean, there's some bits in it that you shouldn't see, but, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I've only heard about it. Um, so women want shops and coffee and, and, and all that nice stuff and massages and, and facials and, and nails and all that. And Italians, you got it. Italians just need food to enjoy the good life. But whatever the good life means to you, it, that's what I'm talking about. That's, it's what I'm talking about today. Whatever you're considering is the good life, is that what we're talking about this morning? So um, it's not unexpected though for people to seek God in times of trouble, times of hardship. Um, we expect people to be turning to God, trying to find God, trying to find a church when they're in trouble. And uh, in the U.S. during the global economic crisis, um, it was reported um, like this, that many people, uh, as they lost their jobs, lost their homes, lost all their savings, um, they were reassessing what was really important in life. And uh, here's a couple of things that people said. Ken Durnham said this, people's sense of security about the future has been shaken. In America, we used to feel like we were safe and secure as a nation. And I think 9-11 took, um, took away safe and the recession has taken away secure. And so people are looking to faith and looking to God for reassurance and security. Another man, David Beckworth, said uh, um, he's an associate professor of economics at Texas State University. He released a study in 2007 in which he found the rate of growth in evangelical churches soared 50% during each economic downturn between 1968 and 2004. So that means over a long period of time he studied the trends in churches and he predicts a similar boom during the current recession. Now th this information is a little bit old so that recession has technically passed 
But this is what he also said. People want something to ground them, some kind of anchor, and evangelical churches offer that. He said, you, won't, uh, you want to know that if your life feels out of control, you've lost your home and your job, and maybe your marriage is falling apart. As a result, you want to hang on to something. And that something that people turn to when everything is shaken in their life is often a spiritual experience, a spiritual encounter. So when individuals or families face uncertain times and challenges, they seek the church. And that's okay. It's a good, a good place to find yourself when things aren't going well. So in Jesus' day, um, the people of Israel were seeking the good life. They were looking for independence from Rome. That's what they thought, well, a good life for us, if we could get independent from Rome, if we don't have to pay tax to them, if we don't have to serve them, then the good life will begin. So they understood all the prophecies. So just go back to a little bit of history from, from the people of Israel. But they understood the prophecies from the Old Testament um, that one day a deliverer would come. They called him the Messiah. That means the anointed, the anointed one, the one who could save them or who would save them. They were waiting for this day. So there's all sorts of prophecies that they had in their, in their um, well, the equivalent to their Bible, um, which gave that gave them hope that one day all the, the problems of the nation were going to be fixed. So Isaiah 45 verse 4, that talks about God was going to come and destroy all their enemies. And while they're, they're living in occupation with the Romans occupying their country, they're thinking, well, God, you're going to bring a deliverer who's going to destroy our enemies. And, and they're waiting for that. Isaiah 53, the whole, the whole chapter is an amazing description of Jesus Christ. It talks about who he, who he is, what he was like, um, his death, all these, all these amazing words about what Jesus uh, is and, and what he's going to be like. And these are many more verses that the people of Israel had lived and had believed for. But what they thought God meant wasn't what God meant. So the picture they had, they had created for themselves, the things that they had taught each other, the things that they had learned in going to the synagogues and going to the temple about what the Messiah would be like, what they thought God meant wasn't what God meant. And that's a key for us this morning and a key for our lives is we need to realize that sometimes we think we know what God meant, but it's not what God meant. And we need to sometimes, it's really important as we journey through our Christian experience and we travel into maturity, that we understand to unlearn some bad patterns about God that we might have thought were right because we just thought that was right. But sometimes we need to go on that, I think we need to all the time go on that journey of revelation and discovery of how we apply God's Word to our everyday life. And sometimes we have the, 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 the factors of, well, I think I know, and I think I know what God meant, but we ignore what his word says. And we can't afford to do that without it being detrimental to our faith and our walk with God. So when Jesus appeared, he fulfilled all the prophecies that they were looking for, but they didn't recognize it. Because they were looking for a king, a, a, a military commander, a political mastermind that could restore the nation and bring back the good life. See, they had, they had, the, they had the dreams of the past, 
The good life to them at that stage would have been saying, well, the kingdom of David when, when Israel was victorious, the kingdom of Solomon when, when Israel was prosperous with so much gold and precious things just everywhere, they're thinking back to these times so that when Jesus came, they're saying, we want him to be like David. We want him to be like Solomon. If he can come and be a king like that, then we know that we've made the good life again. But God had something much more you know, much more powerful, much more incredible, much more life-changing than what they had, that they had pictured and placed themselves under. So they were, they were looking for something that wasn't what God thought. So today, I hope, is a checkup of our relationship with the Lord. And as each of us draw closer to Jesus... And we draw closer to the day, the end times day that we often don't preach about today. Let's not be interpreting God on our level. That's using our intellect, our, our, our mind set on earthly concepts. But more and more we seek spiritual awakening. So when Jesus is before us, we follow, not resist him. And I think so many ways these days that we take for granted the Word of God. We don't take it seriously enough. And I'll tell you something, if you, if you are starving for, for food, you would do whatever it takes to find food to feed yourself. And we need to realize and recognize the state of our soul, the state of our spirit, and start to say, God, I don't want to let that die of starvation. And so we need to pursue after something spiritual that will feed and nourish our spirit. Because I, I need to tell you and warn you today that Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back for a victorious church. He's coming back for people who are devoted to him. He's coming back for people who are ready and waiting for the, for the trumpet call of God. And so, so uh, eloquently spoken by Jesus, he said some people will be sleeping. Some people will be working. Some people will be preoccupied. And they'll miss the moment of their greatest potential and call of God on their life to be ready and clean with garments washed in the blood of Jesus. So we've got to be always ready um, for, for that day for our Jesus to return. It's not a, it's not a cool subject these days. We've sort of got all, all um, uh, much more uh, polished with what we preach today, but we've got to preach that Jesus Christ is coming back as he left the disciples in the book of Acts, it says, as he ascended to heaven, angels came and they said, why are you staring up in heaven to these disciples? And he said, just as you saw Jesus go, he's going to come back again and he's going to come back for his church, which is us. But getting back to the good life, in our thinking, the good life will fix everything. That's our intellectual thinking. If I just could find this, this place, the good life, it'll fix everything. It'll make everything good. <clears throat> It'll be endless summers, for those of you who love summer. But endless summers, lazy Sundays, uh, financial security, no stress from anything. Because it's all sorted. Who'd love a life like that? When everything's sorted, everything's calm, everything's just perfect. For those in ministry, those, uh, those who've been in ministry here, you know the call of God has cost you some. But when you look, when you reflect on the hard times, you can see God has grown you and has taken you and, and made you better and stronger and wiser. And that's worth it through those times. And you, you can't 
experience that and grow strong in that if you've never experienced some of those things where you've got nothing left except to trust and rely and hope in Jesus as your security. God actually warns us about the good times, about the good life. You're thinking, what? Why would God have to warn us about the good days? Because we think, God, that's what we're all been living for. And I'm not saying we need to live in a per perpetual state of, of hardship and pain and struggle. We're going to look at those things as we go along this morning. But when you look at it all, God actually does warn people about the good life. The good life can distract people better than anything. There is nothing more blinding to our faults than success. Did you realize that? If we're just going from success to success and never having, uh, never having something go wrong in our lives, I'm not preaching a message of, you know, you should expect pain, you should expect uh, hurt to come. But this is what God said in Deuteronomy 8 verses 10 to 11. This is telling the people of Israel when they're on the journey between Egypt and the promised land. He says, when you have eaten your fill, and you're in the promised land basically, when you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is a time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations and decrees that I am giving you today. You see, he's talking about the, 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 the day that was coming when they would be settled in the land when they would have built their farms, when they would have built their houses, when they would have built their cities, when they would have conquered all the, all the enemies around them. And God says, when you enter that place, that's when you need to beware that in your plenty, you do not forget me. And that's so easy to happen. And I know there's people who maybe they need healing in their body. Maybe they need their marriage to be fixed up. Maybe they, they want to... Um, get financially secure or their business to work better. All these things that they're crying out to God for and then little by little those things come into line and God blesses them and gives them everything they want. And then suddenly they start saying, well, God, you don't, don't you know, sort of mean so much to me anymore. That reliance factor is gone. But settling often leads to selfishness in our life. So living the good life centers the, 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 the basic concept of that is it centers around me or it centers around ourselves. And so it's all about my success. It's all about my holiday. It's all about my money. It's all about my birthday, uh, my anniversary, my everything. And I so deserve it all. That's, that's when we start to get our focus and our attention off the, the, the Lord of Jesus Christ in our life and we start to say, well, I can be Lord of my own life, thank you. Does that make sense this morning? See, what God was telling the people of Israel was when you're, when you're doing well, don't put me last. And there's so often in life we are blinded by success. And we're saying, well, everything's comfortable, everything's going good, so now it's the time I can afford to put God last. But you know, that's the very time when you need, you need to be saying, God, I want to put you first. That's why um, 
it, it's so important that we have these, these moments in our life where we, we assess ourselves and we say, God, I want to spend some time with you. When you start to spend some time with the Lord and, and speak to him personally about a life and, and where things are going and get close again to God. See, Jesus described it like this in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 20. Now, I've paraphrased this myself for you to make it easy. It says a rich man had a good business. Actually, in the Bible, it says he had a good farm. But anyway, he had a good business. A rich man had a good business and was making a mozza out of it. Mozza means a lot of money. He's making heaps. He's rolling in dough. He's, he's, he's doing the old... You know, who loves the, the gangster movies where, where someone robs a heap of money from somewhere and they go back to the motel and they pull out a cigar and they chuck all the money on the bed and jump all over the bed with money and cash flowing everywhere. So uh, that's not what they do. It's not what gangsters do. But if ever I have a chance, I'm going to do it. I'm going to hire uh, a, cheap, a cheap motel and chuck all the money on the bed and jump all over the bed with my clothes on. Anyway, this guy, he, he's feeling like, I, I am the man, I am the, I am the man. He's got a good business and he's making stacks of money. He can't keep up with how much money he's making. And he said, I'm rich. And actually, I'm so rich, I don't have enough space to store it all. There's no bank big enough. So he's, that's how rich he is. So, um, and he says, oh, I haven't got enough room, so I'm going to make things much bigger. And then after he does that, he says, now I can sit back and enjoy. I have secured my future. It's party time. What a great place. That's the good life, isn't it? The place that we always want to be. The place where we want to stay. The good life. Party time. But then it goes on, Jesus says, but that night he died. Finish. It's a finish. He's dead. Luke, uh, this is what it really says in the New Living Translation, verse 21. It's not paraphrased. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. See, it's not that we're supposed to be poor Brussels sprouts. It's not that we're supposed to be poor Brussels sprouts with no friends that nobody loves. Who, who loves Brussels sprouts? Actually, it, it's a secret, but I do too. <laughs> but it's not that we're supposed to be, you know, poor Brussels sprouts in life with no friends, with, with no status, no, no uh, uh, I don't know, just, you're just a Brussels sprout. See, God is not against anyone having wealth. God is not against you being successful. God is not against you having property or investments. It's about being spiritually grounded and grateful to Jesus, living the good life. We were part of a church in Adelaide, uh, Pauline and myself, and there was a, a really incredibly blessed businessman in that church. And, and uh, he was a great godly man. And but God had incredibly blessed his life and he had a number of really, really expensive cars. And one of them was a, like a, 
a Porsche Cheyenne or whatever. It's like lots and lots of money for this car. And, and he used to loan it to the church for the youth pastor to drive around guest ministers. The youth pastor. But, but some people, some, some mischievous people took video of this youth pastor driving around in this car and, and parking it around the back of the church and they videoed it, put it on Facebook saying, look at the kind of, ch- the kind of cars these pastors from this church are driving. Totally wrong. Look at how much money they're wasting on this car. It wasn't even the church's car. There was a a generous-hearted businessman who says, take my $350,000 car and let the youth pastor drive the guest speakers around. I mean, someone videoed that and made it totally look completely wrong. But there's a generosity in this businessman. And and sometimes we we drive Volkswagen Beetles and won't let anyone drive it for us. Not, Not taking my car. That's, that's the heart of a poor Brussels sprout. But God's not against you having property or investments or being, it's being successful. It's about sp- being spiritually grounded and grateful to Jesus when living the good life. And that's part of the reason why we do one priority every August, because we want to be grateful for the good life that God has blessed us with. So 1 Timothy 6.6, it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. See, I love the story of Jabez. Who's heard of Jabez? I love that. I think he's my favorite character in the, in the Bible because the story, uh, we glean uh, incredible insight into wealth and success and a godly perspective to living. And I want to give you five uh, things from his life this morning that hopefully you can apply and and uh, be strengthened in your in your life and in your spirit by these keys. So uh, the other thing I love about it is that his story is right in the middle of a mundane list of genealogies in the Bible. You, say, you know the, the worst parts to read in the Bible. It says and 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 so and so had a son and he had a son and then he had a son. And he had a son, and then sometimes they had a daughter, and then they had another son, and then another son, and then they had a, a daughter. And you're thinking, what? And it's in one of those chronological things of, of all these families that suddenly this, this Jabez character pops up. And then there's like a little bit of detail about his life. All the others, they just say nothing. Just, it was a son off, was a son off, was a son off, was a son off. He made shoes. It was a son off, was a son off, was a son off. And then bang, we get to Jabez, and it, there's, uh, it's only a few little verses, but that's one thing about when God gives you a revelation that suddenly it doesn't have to be a lot of words in it, but it can be powerful to transform your life. And when I read this and, and the revelation came into my spirit, it changed my life, and it, it started the process in my life going from being a plumber to being a pastor. And God wants to make those transitions in everybody's life when you start to have those transforming moments from the Word of God, it will change your perspective and change your future and change your life. Anyway, you're excited about this guy, Jabez. Shall we look at him? I was going to try and get a picture of a Jabez, but I couldn't really find one. I wanted to find just an ordinary person, but I couldn't find a picture of an ordinary human being. But there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, 
Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. So the first thing we see in Jabez, if you're taking notes, is pain. His name means pain. He was born with great pain. So here is a consolation for us today is going through trouble or going through pain is sometimes a part of life, but it doesn't have to define our future. His name, he's named after pain. In the King James uh, Bible, it uses the word sorrow instead of pain. It says, I was born in great sorrow. So normally when a baby's born, it's not sorrowful, it's just wanting to be born. It's usually happy even though they cry. But the person who's feeling the pain is the one who gave it birth. Apparently. <laughs> but his mother went through so much pain, she she's, gets this baby out and she says, I'm never going to forget the pain that I went through. And so, to make sure I never forget, your name will be pain forever. What, what a thing to be branded with. She says, I'll never forget this. Every time I call your name, I'll remember the struggle, the sorrow that I went through. Perhaps we've just interpreted that word pain. Um, it, you know, when, when we see the word sorrow connected to that pain, who knows what was going on in her life at that time? Maybe there was other complications. Maybe there was other things in her stuff she was going through that caused her to see that moment as a very painful and, and uh, you know, unpleasant experience. You see, his life is descriptive of the struggles of our life. He wasn't born into the good life. In fact, he was born into the opposite. So he was born into the opposite of what the good life is. That's what his lot is right from the start. The second thing we see is he prays. It says he was the one who prayed. And, and let's just stop a minute just there. He was the one who prayed. So I want to... I wanna, um, encourage you today in your family among your brothers among your church among the place where you come from will you be the one among your brothers who pray because you may be known about the one who 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 complained you may be known as the one who didn't turn up you may be known as the one who who painted the wall you may be known as the one who did lots of things but you want to be known as the one who prayed you want to be known as the one who took the thing about their life to God and said, God, can you help me? God, can you change this? Because that's what we do when we pray is we, we're bringing what we can't to God so he can. Be the one who prays. It says he was more honourable than his brothers. And I think what caused him to stand out was he turned things to God. He turned things to God. Living the good life, spiritually blessed, began with his prayer. Never be too proud or too poor to pray. Don't be either extreme. 
Don't think, well, I, I've, I've got things together. I'm living the good life. I don't need to pray. And don't think, well, I'm so bad. I'm so, I, I, I'm so um, nothing that I can't pray. Don't be either extreme. Be a prayer in any of those extremes. <coughs> See, living the good life spiritually, <coughs> being spiritually blessed in his life began when he prayed. Never be too proud or too poor. So develop a prayer time with Jesus. Develop a communication that works for you where you spend time with Jesus. <coughs> Mark 1, in Mark 1 verse 35, Jesus gives us an example and um, I guess the life principle of prayer and how important it is. Because Jesus, it said, he got up and went to an isolated place early in the mornings to pray. And I think we can, we can learn some, some really powerful keys about spiritual strength and spiritual um, uh, growing in our life. And that is when we, when we deliberately spend time. You know, an isolated place could be just somewhere where you're alone with God that you pray. If it works for you in the morning, do it in the morning. If it works at night, do it at night. If it works at lunchtime, do it then. But the thing is, you've got to find a time and a place where you're isolated from people, but you're connected with Jesus. See, prayer, uh, 1 John 5, 14, sorry, 1 John 5, verse 14, tells us that God hears us when we pray for what pleases God. So sometimes we're just praying, God, give me success. God, grant me that girlfriend. God, give me that, that, that new thing. But prayer fails um, are praying what pleases me. Get that? Prayer fails are praying what pleases me. Because I, I can tell God what pleases me. It's easy. But what pleases God, prayers never fail. So there's a lot of people in churches going around thinking, well, God never heard my prayers. God never answered my prayers. But, but we weren't praying, thinking, God, what, what is going to please you? We're just saying, God, you please me. So what, we don't want a Lord Savior God. We want a Lord Genie God. <clears throat> Who just grants our every wish. Just three wishes would be nice. But we can't, we can't transpose our intellectual thinking in those things and say, well, God, you've got to do it like this. Because God promises he'll answer the prayers that we pray according to his will. According to what pleases him. And that is possible to do. But it means we've got to lay down. We've got to put down our plan. We've got to lay down our life, as Jesus spoke about, and take up his, his plans. The third thing we see is he says, bless me and expand my territory. So there's something really, we can just read, bless me and expand my territory. Um, I remember one of my brothers used to pray the same prayer. It didn't matter when it was, because we used to have to pray with, with my mum. She'd always make us pray. And one brother would always say, uh, Lord, forgive us and help us. That didn't matter whether it was um, dinner time, praying, praying for, for the, what we call grace. He'd say, Lord, forgive us and help us. Amen. Then at night when we're praying beside our beds, uh, Lord, forgive us and help us. Amen. It's the same prayer for everything. But sometimes we can be praying prayers like, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me this and bless me with that. And Lord, we just pray your blessing. We want a blessing. And so we, we pray blessings over everything. But, but we've, got to, we've got to sometimes know what, what we're asking when we're praying for that. 
Because we can be saying, we can be thinking, God, blessing is treasure. Like money, fill my wallet, Lord, fill it up. We, we pray things like that. Blessing, blessing. Lord, uh, you know, blessing, it'd have to be like, like never wanting anything because I've got everything I need. That, that can be a type of blessing. But he says, bless me and expand my territory. So he recognizes the Lord as the source of his success. That's, that's a really big key. Recognize the Lord as the source of, of success. And it also includes his life living in the boundary of God's goodness. He says, you expand my territory. So he's saying, God, you expand, you expand my life into the places where I'm blessed to go. Because sometimes we, we expect to be blessed, but we're going places that we ought not to be, where we ought not to go. So it's, it's life in the boundaries of God's goodness. Psalm 119 verse 1 says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Proverbs 20 verse 18 says, Plans succeed through good counsel. It says, Don't go to war without wise advice. <clears throat> so it isn't evil to expand in business. It isn't evil to, in to increase sales or to put on more staff it's not evil for any of those things but it says do your research and expand with good counsel so sometimes we need to we need to be hearing what god says that's the best counsel and other times we need we we add to that where we get counsel from people who have proven spiritual authority in our life that both can go together but um he says bless me and expand my territory I think it's, it's interesting in Proverbs 20, verse 18, it says, before you go to war, um, don't go to war without wise advice. And sometimes we can step into things that are like a war zone, but we've not asked any advice, we've not, we've not sought counsel, and we find ourselves with bullets flying all around, and it's a very scary place that we may not survive. So, and number four, he says, please be with me in all that I do. This is a really key thing for, for this morning's message. It's letting God into every part of your world. See, it's a big mistake to have church world <clears throat> over here. This is my church world. This is my church family. And I love it. But then we step out of that world and go into my work world or into my school world or into my university world or whatever other world you may be living in. So life is, uh, life like that is, um, it's all disconnected. And we can separate it all, but we end up with a strange thing that I call spiritual schizophrenia. Living with two personalities in the one life, and it doesn't work. <clears throat> I can remember once going to a rifle range with a friend of mine, and we were both church friends. And, and we were at this range, and shooting our guns and all that, having, having a nice time. And, and we're talking to other guys, and then one guy says, so how do you two know each other? And, and my friend steps in straight away because he, he somehow didn't want to say church. And the question was simple, how do you two know each other? And my friend jumped in and said, oh, not intimately. <laughs> I hope it stays that way. <laughs> and I just blurted out and I said, oh, we go to the same church. And I can see my friend is like, 
But that, that's an indication of a separation of life. So you go, I've got a church life, but I've got a rifle club life. See, the, the two aren't separate. The two are one. And we need to realize that, that, that the, the prayer of Jabez, he says, please be with me in all that I do. Psalm 121 verse 8 says this, The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and as you go, now and forever. That means now and wherever, let Jesus in with all that you do. Make it a normal part of who you are and what you do. Our worship together in church, what, we, what we're doing here today and, and, and coming together, should pardon me, should bring nourishment to everything we do, every day of every week, everywhere we go and whatever we find ourselves doing, this ought to be building your life so that when you're in the other parts of, of life, that you're nourished and you're strengthened and, and you're blessed to carry that into the world in which you live and to help other people. <clears throat> so number five, Jabez says, keep me from all trouble and pain. You see, this recognize, recognizes the Lord or Jesus as the source of our healing. In the King James Bible, it's described uh, that the word trouble and pain is interpreted as evil. And he says that it may not grieve me. So we need to realize that, you know, trouble and pain sort of gives us one aspect of what we're talking about. But evil gives us something totally different. But that evil that he talks about says, so that it may not grieve me. And so often we can, we can live through life grieving with pain, with, with uh, things we, we don't like or things that we'd rather not have part of our life and he's saying oh, oh, don't let that stuff get on me don't let evil be so natural part of me second samuel 22 verse 31 in the new living translation says god is my fortress and he makes my way perfect see avoid being grieved by evil instead let's stay close to jesus and avoid the pain it says that he makes my way perfect. You see, every detour in life can have its reason. We may not like it, we may not understand it, but when we walk in closely with Jesus through, through every trouble, through every, through every circumstance, he can lead us through and make us stronger and better and build us in that time. See, the last bit is gold. The last little part of this story about Jabez. And it says, and God granted him his request. See, Jabez turned his story, uh, sorry, turned his sorry life over for the good life when he turned it to God. He turned his sorry life, his pain life, his, his, his evil life, the life that he'd rather leave behind, he turned it to God and God gave him what he'd asked for. He turned his sorry life for the good life 
when he turned to God. So this morning, it depends on where you are today as to the response that you give to Jesus this morning. Jesus promised people, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And anyone who puts their faith in me, he said, they'll never be disappointed. What he's talking about there isn't all about earthly treasures and earthly pleasures. It's talking about a rightness with God that we're good on the inside. That we have a spirit of peace and, and stability within our heart that despite what goes on around us, Jesus is in control. He's in the driver's seat. So some of us today, you're living in a, a good day. You're experiencing the good life. Then it's appropriate for you to honor God Thank the Lord for your blessings because in your plenty, do not forget the Lord. If you've been blessed, if, you, if you're thinking, you know, my life is great, don't forget God now. Don't say it's time to, to spend the weekends, you know, doing what pleases me. Saying, God, I want to I give you thanks. I want to I honor you with the good things that you've given me. And perhaps others, you're here and you be like Jabez at the point of his pain. You don't want to turn that pain into despondency, into defeat, into allowing you know, fear and, and discouragement to, to get a hold of your heart. It's time to ask God in faith to walk with you into the future. It's a good time to connect back to God and ask Jesus back in. Perhaps if we can just stand this morning, if we can stand together. And I know there are people here today and and perhaps you've spent some time lately where you've felt you've been <clears throat> you're separated from God. You felt, well, things haven't really been where I thought they should be. You know something that can all change in an instant when you start to say, Jesus, I want you to take my pain. I want you to take those things off my life. And I want to take on your blessings bless me and increase my territory lord when you say that not seeking treasures and earthly things but seeking a spiritual pearl spiritual wisdom and a spiritual life god will never ever disappoint you god will never leave you wanting so today if you're here and you're thinking god i just want to give thanks to the lord i just want to say thank you jesus for the good blessings that I've experienced, for the good things that, that I can just say, wow, I don't deserve so much blessing. Then you say, Jesus, I want to say thank you. I'm going to spend a moment right now and we're just going to thank Jesus for those blessings. So Lord Jesus, we just thank you right now, Lord, for those blessings that we don't deserve. We thank you, Lord God, for our lives. We thank you, Lord God, for health in our bodies. We thank you, Lord God, for, for a sound mind. We thank you, Lord God, for, for the provision that you give us every day. We thank you, Lord God, for wealth. We thank you, Lord God, for, for all the good things that you've placed in our lives materially. And Lord, even the security we feel in our spirits, Lord, we say thank you. We say thank you. And also this morning, we're going we're gonna to ask God. We're going to pray a prayer of Jabez. If you're at that, at that place of separation from the plans of God, if you're at that place where you're thinking, I, I, feel, I feel there's more pain in my life than there, than there is good things. 
then today you need to make a conscious decision. Make this a revelation in your life and saying, God, will you bless me? Will you increase my territory? Will you walk with me? Will you be part of who I am and where I go? It's inviting Jesus to be part of your life in every aspect of it. It's not saying there's that part and I'll keep that part separate. It's saying, Jesus, I'm going to give you my all today. I'm going to live a new way. And, and this, you might say, but I've been in church for a long, 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 long time. Well, you know what? You can be in church for a long, long time and still get it wrong. As we started with today, you need to start getting it right and saying, Jesus, I'm inviting you in to every part of my life. So this, this morning, you can just make this prayer personal to you as I pray. Maybe you want to raise a hand and say, I identify with that today. Whatever way you want to indicate that to God. So Lord Jesus, we just pray today, just as Jabez prayed, Lord, will you bless me and prosper me? Will you increase my territory? Lord, will you, will you walk with me and go with me? And do not leave me, Lord God, I pray. So, Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus today for those people who need a life change, for those people who are, who are caught in addictions, for those people who are trapped with things that they can't let go of on their, on their own. But, Lord, I pray today we just speak life, we speak uh, victory, we speak uh, um, uh, freedom in the name of Jesus over every person who feels trapped, over every life that is that is in bondage today. Lord, right now, there's a powerful thing happening in people. Things are being broken. Things are being uh, released. The power of God is coming into people's lives today because the revealed Word is setting people free. So we just pray today in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, that you may be with us in all that we do. And Father, I just pray for those who have prayed that for the first time this morning or, or it's suddenly become a new revelation in their life. Lord, that you will dwell with them, that you will dwell with us, that you will go with us today into our world. Go with us today back to our families. Go with us tomorrow back to our workplaces. And Lord, I pray that we don't forget this message, that it sinks deep into our spirits and that we be blessed so that we can always be giving thanks back to the blesser. And we say thank you in Jesus' incredible name. Amen. God bless you, church. I've, I've enjoyed the message this morning and I pray that this week you carry this um, word that God has given us today and um, pray those things every day. Pray those things every day. Get, get, get yourself in a prayer place that's just you and God. Isolate yourself from others and just be crying out to God saying, God, I'm going to pray for these things and pray for these things. And you find that if you if you start to uh, put your attention on Jesus, then he'll start to unfold his plans and his purposes. And it may be way beyond your wildest imaginations because God is for you and he wants to see you prosper. He wants to see you um, amazingly blessed. And he, he'll do it when you put that emphasis back on him. God bless you. Amen.